Today's Bible reading comes from Psalm 103. Praise the Lord, my soul, all my inmost being, praise his holy name. Praise the Lord, my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your sins and heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit and crowns you with love and compassion, who satisfies your desires with good things, so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. The Lord works righteousness and justice for all the oppressed. He made known his ways to Moses, his deeds to the people of Israel. The Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love. He will not, oh, he will not always accuse, nor will he harbor his anger forever. He does not treat us as our sins deserve or repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. As a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion for the, on those who fear him. For he knows how we are formed. He remembers that we are dust. The life of mortals is like grass. They flourish like a flower of the field. The wind blows over it, and it is gone, and its place remembers it no more. But from everlasting to everlasting, the Lord's love is with those who fear him, and his righteousness with their children's children, with those who keep his covenant and remember to obey his precepts. The Lord has established his throne in heaven, and his kingdom rules over all. Praise the Lord, you his angels, you mighty ones who do his bidding, who obey his word. Praise the Lord, all his heavenly hosts, you servants who do his will. Praise the Lord, all his works, everywhere in his dominion. Praise the Lord, my soul. Amen, amen. Thank you so much, Mr. Heath. Again, it's good to be with you guys today. Let's pray before we get into God's word. Heavenly Father, Lord, we're excited to see what you are going to do in this moment. We're excited to see what you do in this week. Lord, you are a God who brings delight to his people. And so, Lord, I pray that as we uh, engage you, Lord, as we unpack this psalm, as, as we look at what a life of worship looks like and, and times of worship look like, Lord, that you, you speak to us, Lord, that you do something new. Lord, we say this all in your son's precious name. Amen. So we're, we're in a season of transition as a church, right? So Tanner uh, officially retired uh, last week. Again, thrilled that we've got uh, so many musicians who've stepped up to kind of help us in this transition. But for me, as pastor and working with mus musicians, it's been an opportunity to reflect on, like, why do we do this music thing? Like, why do we do it? Why is this part of not just this church here, but literally every church of any, every generation sings together. They worship together. Some of the oldest remnants of the Christian faith is through song. And so there's been a lot of reflection, a lot of time of like, why do we do this? How do we do this? And when I was talking with uh, William about some of the songs that they were looking to play, 10,000 Reasons, which we're going to sing after this message, starts with this chorus, bless the Lord, O my soul. And so I was praying over that. I, I was thinking about that a lot. And, and I realized, oh, that actually is straight from Scripture straight from Psalm 103. And so I started reading through and praying through Psalm 103, and it really just became clear, this is an awesome song, an awesome psalm, poem, for us to remember why we do this thing, why we pray, why we sing, why we engage God and the God that we have. And so what we're going to do is pretty simple. We're just going to go through 
not verse by verse, but section by section through the psalm, reflecting on the God that we have. Remembering, oh, that's right. We have a God who is worthy of our praise, who is worthy of our song. So it starts off. Uh, let's see if this is going to work. Here we go. Praise the Lord, my soul, all my inner being. Praise his holy name. Praise the Lord, my soul, and forget not all of its benefits. Right. So this word praise, here we go, uh, is the word barak, and it's a literal posture of thanksgiving. So it, it is saying being thankful, but it literally means to bend one's knees, to come before someone else and be thankful in a way that lowers you in front of them. And that's really how this type of praise is different than when I remember to take out the trash at home, right? So my wife, she's, she's got me trained pretty well. She knows I like thank yous, right? And so she'll say, thank you, Josh, but she doesn't bow down before me. Oh, praise my husband who remembered to take out the trash this week, right? No, that's not what's happening. This is a different level of thanks. There is a posture here where when we come before our God, we're not just saying thank you. We are remembering, oh, this is deeper. This is bigger than just my mortal status. And so it starts off, praise the Lord, bend down to him. My soul, my inner being, the soul in Hebrew meant your deepest core. And at our deepest core, we have a God who is worthy of worship. It goes on. He forgives all of our sins. He heals all of our diseases. Who redeems your life and crowns you with love and compassion, right? This God who specializes in redemption. What I love about that section of scripture is it doesn't just say he forgives you. Because right? he does. He blots out your sins. They're gone. But he doesn't just leave us at neutral. Instead, he sees us broken, hurting, sometimes hurting other people, and he comes in and he starts to redeem those situations. And y'all, all of us live in a world, all of us live in families, all of us live in communities, all of us go to schools that need a God who specializes in redemption, not just forgiveness. Yes, we need forgiveness. I need forgiveness. But if we want to see something different happen, we need a God who specializes in redeeming, taking back and restoring to the way that he designed it to be. With this love and this compassion, you're going to see this word compassion over and over and over again in Psalm 103. In fact, it's all over the Psalms. And the reason why that's so important is it's the word hesed. And sometimes it's uh, compassion, sometimes it's mercy, sometimes it's the everlasting, abounding love of God is how it's translated. But the reality is Hesed is all of those things. Hesed is the character of God that hunts you down as the lost sheep, that's willing to sacrifice anything to wrap his compassion and his love and his mercy all around you. Our God doesn't just forgive, he redeems. It goes on, and it says, uh, who satisfies your desires with good things so that your, new, your youth is renewed like the eagles. All right? Okay, not only does he forgive us, but he wants good for us. Jesus says in the Gospels, you have a good father who wants good for his kids. 
You know, so often in Christianity, we have these two polar opposites. One side treats God like the vending machine or the magic lamp, right? Just figure out the right buttons to push and he has to give me what I want. And that's not in scripture. But then there's the other side that's like, oh no, God just wants me to suffer and be miserable. And it's, it's part of the way how I like have penance for what I'm doing wrong. But that, that's not in scripture either. Instead, what we have is a good God who knows what is good for you and wants good for you. And so when we read through the Psalms, when we reflect on the God that we have, it's not just forgiveness, it's not just redemption, it's a relationship with the Father who says, I see you as my child. And like this, this church is just full of parents, right? Like all of us are parents, even those, those of us who aren't regular parents are like fur baby parents, right? We want good for our kids, we want good for our pets. Any good father, mother, looks out for their kid. And we have a God who looks out for his kid and is worthy of that praise, is worthy of that posture that helps us bend down to him and say, I I believe in you and I, I see you. Psalm 103 goes on. The Lord works righteousness and justice for the oppressed. He has made known his way to Moses, his deeds to the people of Israel. Here again, the Lord works righteousness and justice for the oppressed. These are two huge words in the Old Testament. Righteousness means right relationships, and justice means biblical outcomes. For who? For the oppressed. So when we look at a world where there is so much brokenness and so much hurt, so many areas where we just look and our heart breaks, Scripture tells us we have a God who is fighting for those who are hurting. That those who have been ostracized from community, who are looked down on, who are shunned, who don't have right relationships, who don't have righteous relationships, we have a God who specializes in them. And then when injustice happens, when we look at a world and we're like, that is not the way it's supposed to be, God looks and says, you're right. And I will work justice. I will work biblical outcomes for them because I love them. And from the times of Moses to the people of Israel, and again, I love the name, geez, I'm all over Hebrew this day. I love the name Israel because it means those who wrestle with God. He literally names his people, you're going to wrestle with me, which is good because you have a pastor who wrestles with God on the regular. Right? I wrestle with God when I'm driving. I wrestle with God when I want to watch this and my wife wants to watch this. I wrestle with God when my bank account drops below a certain point. And God says, don't worry, I specialize in people who wrestle with me. And I'm not done with you. And I'm going to redeem that. I'm going to work right relationships for that. I'm going to work justice for you. Because that's the God that we have who is worthy of a posture of praise. Psalm 103 continues on. The Lord works right... Hey, I did that one. Uh, his compassion. Okay. Uh, God who is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in love. A God who doesn't hold on to grudges. For as high as the heavens are from the earth, so great is the love of those who fear him. As the heavens are from the east, as the west, so far as removed from our transgressions from us. As a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. That's a big one. As far as the east is from the west, God removes us from our sin and our brokenness. As far as the east is from the west, that stuff in our past, 
the times where we didn't act the way we were supposed to, the times where we shouldn't have sent that text message or we shouldn't have said that snipe comment or that action we did literally ripped apart a relationship or ripped apart our own hearts. As far as the east is from the west, so has God removed our brokenness. And then that he's slow to anger and abounding in love that he's not holding on to these grudges. You know, one of my favorite parts of scripture is in the, the great love passage in 1 Corinthians 13, where God says, love keeps no record of wrongs. And that is just so countercultural. Right? It's counter me. Like, I don't just have a record of wrongs. I keep an Excel spreadsheet, right? Where I can be like, on this day, you said this about me, and thus this vindication, right? And yet that's not the God that we have. Instead, we have a God that says, no, 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 I'm not harboring grudges, y'all. I'm not holding on to this stuff. And instead, as far as the east is from the west, as far as the heavens is from the earth, so I will forgive and redeem your life. Because that's the kind of God that we have. Scripture goes on. And he remembers that we are dust. The life of mortals is like grass. We flourish like a flower the field, but the wind blows it over and it's gone. And in its place, he no, and the place remembers it no more. This is important because God realizes that we're mortals. Right? You look at other gods, like you look at the pantheon of the Greek gods or Buddhism, right? There's this, there's this missing component where like he's actually God, we're not. And his bar isn't for us to be God. And, and he realizes that we're mortal. Th- that we, by ourselves, aren't eternal. Now, we get eternity through Christ, amen. But he realizes and he accounts for and plans for our mortalness. That the whole world isn't on my shoulders. That your family isn't on your shoulders. He looks down and he sees us as we are. The God that we have. A God who is fighting for us. A God who is for us in our actual state. Scripture goes on, another big one. But from everlasting to everlasting, the Lord's love is with those who fear him and his graciousness with his children's children. And for those who keep his covenant, he will remember and obey his precepts. Y'all, this is good news for this church because of the amount of kids that we have. God cares about your kids more than you do. And I I know this church, I know how much you love your kids. So that's a big, big expectation there. But the good news is that your kid's faith, your kid's life is not in your hands. And that's good because you're mortal. He's not, though. And, and, and he loves your kids. He loves our kids as a church. And that covenant, that promise of who God is and what God is doing, that, that's what a covenant meant in the Old Testament. It was a contract. And one of the coolest things about the initial contract that God gives his kids 
is the promise that it's not on us. Uh, uh, Genesis chapter 15, God makes a covenant with Abraham. And they, it's this cool scene, kind of gory, but how they used to do contracts in the Old Testament was they would take animals, they would cut them in half, they'd make a path out of these two halves, and then you would walk through it together saying, if I do what I say I'm going to do, we're good, but if I don't say what we're going to do, you can cut me in half. Right? It was a way to contractually bind yourself to something. So God says, I'm going to make a contract with you, Abraham. And they lay it out, and there's this big path, and then Abraham's about to do it. He's about to walk through it, and God puts Abraham to sleep. Abraham doesn't walk through, but God does. It says the Spirit of the Lord passed through. Essentially what God did was he said, I am signing a contract with you that is one-sided. I will remain faithful to you even when you won't remain faithful to me. I will remain faithful to your kids even when they don't remain faithful to me. Scripture tells us that to a thousand generations is the love, the hesed that God pours on those who love him. And y'all love him, so he loves your kids. They're in version, uh, generation one right there. You got a thousand more before you got to start worrying about how big God's love is for your kids. And it continues on. And the Lord established his throne in heaven and his kingdom. He rules over it all. So praise the Lord, you angels, you mighty ones who do his bidding, who obey his words. Praise the Lord, all the heavenly hosts, you servants who do his will. Praise the Lord, all his works everywhere in his dominion. Y'all, we have a God who's actually in charge. Again, we want to talk about good news. We want to talk about reason worthy of praise. It would be one thing if God could just empathize with us. And he can because of Jesus. He experienced all that we experienced here. But it's more than that. He's actually in charge, which means when we come before him, when we are praying for something, when we want something, when we are asking our God, Lord, please don't be done with me yet. He's actually can do it. He has the power. He's in charge of everything. The good news of our God is that yes, we are mortals, but we as mortals have a father who says, I am in charge and I am working for you. And I am working for your kids and I'm working for your community and I'm working for this world. Then it ends. So praise the Lord, my soul. It starts like it ends. This posture this understanding that we are coming before a God who's actually God, who can actually change things. When he says, let there be light, guess what? There's light. When he says, your sins are forgiven, guess what? Your sins are forgiven. When he says, I see your kids, I see you in your job, and I am working for you, and I'm not done yet, that is reality. And, and he sees the brokenness in the world, and the hurt, and the broken relationships, and he says, and I'm fighting for that too. And he says, and I'm your father, and, and I want good for you. And I'm fighting for good for you. See, that, that's why we have this posture. That's why when we sing, it's more than just saying thanks. It's, it's why we literally build services around it. 
that we can come before God, that we can kneel, that we can sing, that we can shout for joy. Because he's worthy of it. And it shapes us. And when we sing, it helps us remember that in those dark times, he's still fighting for us. There's a a song, King of My Heart, that Eric and I were talking about uh, earlier. Because all of us go through dark times, right? All all of us have those moments where it doesn't feel like God's worthy of praise, right? Because we we, we don't, just internally, it's it's just all negative. And the song ends by saying, when the dark is holding on to me, and all of us can experience when the dark is holding on to me, when we're sick, or someone we love is sick, or there's a broken relationship. When it's got its arms just wrapped around you, the song says, God is holding on. When the dark is holding on to me, God is holding on, and y'all, God's arms are way bigger and way stronger than any mess that we can create, than any mess that the world can throw at us. And so we sing, and we reinforce that reality, that truth, and it shapes us, and it forms us. And then as we're going to talk about next week, it sends us out to live a life of worship, So it's not just an emotional response. It's not just a posture, but it becomes action. And that is why we praise the Lord. That is why we bless the Lord. I'm going to invite the band back up. We're going to uh, end with prayer, and then we're going to go into chorus and a verse of that song, Bless the Lord, O My Soul, to remember why we sing, to live it out. I ask you guys to pray with me. Heavenly Father, Lord, you are good. You are forgiving, you are redeeming, you are fighting for justice and righteousness. And you care. And you see us in our state. And you are powerful enough to do something about it. Lord God, I pray that you help this church in this new season. Lord, to build up a ministry and a passion and a posture of worship and thankfulness. We say this all in your son's precious name. Amen.